Welcome to the Equipped Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of business and entrepreneurship. Each episode, we will bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs and business owners who are making waves in the marketplace. From sales strategies to marketing innovations, leadership insights, and effective lead generation, this is your go-to source for staying ahead in the business game. Now let's get equipped for success and get to today's episode. Before we get into today's episode of the Equipped Podcast, I want to take this time and give a shout out to our two exclusive sponsors of today's show, Prospects and Mint Leads. Both of these organizations focus on lead generation and getting you qualified leads on your calendar that can convert to new business. And if you are running a business and you are finding yourself constantly in the hunt for growth opportunities... The key often lies in having access to qualified leads, and that's where our sponsors come in. Prospects is a LinkedIn marketing organization that helps you with qualified leads, but then helps you create content that convert. The team at Mint Leads helps you with your emails. They help you get your emails opened and in front of the right people at the right time. If you would like more information about either of these organizations, head over to goprospect.com and schedule a call today. That's G-O-P-R-O-S-P-E-X.com. Now let's get to today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Equipped Podcast. This is your host, Lane Taylor, where we are finding individuals, thought leaders, individuals like I have on this show today to help you equipped with tips and insights to grow in today's market and then just understand their awesome stories. And I'm really excited on who we have to show today. I've been able to have a pre-conversation with him and selfishly, I'm really looking forward to what he has to say in the insights. So right now on the show we have the co-founder of Needle.us and is a data analytics firm that applies AI and machine learning to the commercial real estate industry. He's got 15 years of experience in multifamily investment sales, and he's got ex- expertise and insights to help clients optimize their portfolios and maximize their returns. I'm all about it. I know this is going to add a ton of value. And so with that, we have today on the show Stash Galazinski. Stash, did I say that right? That was perfect. Thank you so much, Lane. Boom. Nice uh, nice to have you on the show. I uh, I always tell people, I don't care if you're a first and last name or the most simple names, I want to make sure I get them right. And before the show, I was like training myself. All right, here we go. Yeah. Galazinski. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Somebody once said that the sweetest sweetest sound somebody can hear is their own their own name. So you're on par. There you go. Stash, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, maybe a little bit about Needle. We'll get into that, but a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Stash Galazinski. Um, I am a commercial real estate broker and, as you mentioned, the founder of uh, Needle uh, AI. Our website is needleNEDL.us. And um, what that is, is a software platform uh, aimed at using machine learning, data analytics, 
to identify uh, sale opportunities before they come to market. Uh, so you can go out and get in front of them either as an investment sale broker, as um, a loan broker, or an acquisitions person. How did you get into it? So you are a commercial broker. Is that kind of what got you into that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I started my career in um, 2008, right when the party was ending. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm here. Uh, and, you know, everybody else was, you know, getting the hangover from uh, the Great Recession, which then set in. And, um, you know, I, I spent some time at a number of different brokerage firms, um, found myself here in Cincinnati um, in about 2011. And I just started, you know, cold calling. And, you know, that's how I met all my friends, essentially. Um, and what I found in doing that and doing the rounds and being, you know, in working a farm, so to speak, is that if you called somebody and I said, hey, Lane, I see you have 20 properties. Uh, I've got some buyers I'm working with. Are you interested in selling any of them? Your automatic response is no, I'm not. But if I call you and I say, hey, Lane, I'm calling about your timber trails apartments. Um, are you, you know, I've got a buyer who's interested, you know, would you be interested in selling it? You're much more likely to have a conversation about that, that one particular asset um, instead of if I approach you on a broad basis. And so it was like, okay, you know, so that ruminated in my head for a little bit. And then the next part of that was I had the occasion a couple more than I care to, you know, care to have or have had where, you know, you're going through and doing your, your sales job tasks and you even have a conversation and, you know, no, we're not doing anything right now. And okay, great. That's fine. And then all of a sudden you see a listing pop up with a competitor or you see a sale comp come through on the different comp services. And it's like, I just talked to that guy. Like, what am I missing? And so I, I had been, I had been using a CRM system and it was great because, uh, it captured all this data that you could feed into it. But the problem with it is that it just looked backwards. It just looked in the rearview mirror. And I was like, man, it would be really great if you could look forward and, and look ahead and, and try and the ultimate hypothesis was what if we could use data and analytics to predict real estate transactions even before the owner knew that they were ready to sell. Um, and so plugging away, you know, I'd spec some a little bit of money on, you know, exploring this idea. And then I had a friend come to me and he said, Hey stash, uh, you know, my partners and I, we have a background in software and we want to buy value add multifamily or value add real estate. And I was like, that's great. That's not an original idea. Everybody's trying to do that. Uh, but what about this? Since you guys have a background in software and I pitched him on it and just so happens that he's um, senior vice president for data and analytics at a large bank here in town, builds programs just like this. And he's like, okay, let me, you know, let me think about it. And then maybe a week or two later, we had lunch with 
who is now our third partner. And they're like, yeah, this thing has legs. And they had done, I guess, some quick back of the napkin calculations. And so we started pursuing the idea. And at first we, so we have a team of, of data scientists and engineers overseas. And I, I had to, um, teach them essentially how commercial real estate works. Like, and what I had picked up on are, there are certain tells of a property that like a loan maturity is a dead giveaway, right? Like you have to do something. You either have to pay it off, uh, refinance it or sell it. Um, so that's, that's the obvious, but then in underwriting deals, we probably underwrite a couple hundred deals a year. And there are telltale signs that we saw from a brokerage seat of, okay, this group is clearly getting this property ready for sale as we're underwriting it. We would see trends in the, in the historical income. And so I'd say, oh, you know, I, I shared, shared those insights with my team and they went back, they, they wrote some, um, formulas and equations and applied it to the market. And we started off with just Excel sheets and they would give me a, a, a list of 20 or 30 properties and I would comb through it and seven or eight of them would be in play somehow. Like I remember there is a deal called Pinnacle on Pleasant that we had listed and it was flagged as like a hot lead. And I was like, that's great. Cause we, we have that deal listed for sale right now. So it was good to see the, the metrics playing out. And then from there, once we kind of proved the hypothesis a couple of times through a number of different markets, I recruited some friends of mine in, in other markets. Um, we went about and built a platform. So we've got, you know, working, um, I don't know if prototype is the right word, but, but platform, um, that you can log into. I use it regularly, um, to prospect for new deals as well as track my pipeline. And we're moving full steam ahead on that. That's incredible. And so it came out of an, it sounds like it came out of a need or a necessity in what you were currently doing. I mean, was that something I'm always fascinated by people that come up with a product or a service much like you that just say, okay, I'm going to run with this idea. I'm going to see if it has legs. Was it something, because I know when I've come up with stuff, I can't sleep at night. It's like, yeah. I can't sleep at night. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is the best thing. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to blow this out of the water. Well, take us back and take the listeners back to when the idea kind of came to your mind and what, what came next. Um, it's been a slow burn. Um, uh, which is probably better because, you know, if it burns hot and fast, then it's going to, it's going to flame out, um, ideas. Cause I've had ideas where I get real super excited about it. And then just, you hit the first, um, stumbling block and then you just lose all momentum. This one has been a real slow thing. It's like, okay, let's, and credit probably goes in large part to my partner, Maher. He's very methodical. Uh, I'm a big pitch, big picture sort of thinker, um, and he can hear what I'm saying and then break that down into um, actionable steps to get from where my thought is to, okay, here's actually how we do it. So um, 
you know, there are peaks and valleys of excitement and frustration and that's just what it is. Yeah. When, so that was in 2011. Is that right? Is that what I heard you say? No. So, um, I first got, you know, started in brokerage here in 2011. We actually started like right before the pandemic and, you know, it was a, it was a side hustle for everybody for, and for a long time. Um, you know, we would have half hour, hour meetings once a week, something like that. And then it was okay next week. Like, where are we at? And that it that probably took us like a year, year and a half to get to a place where we were spitting out those Excel sheets. Um, and then another year, year and a half to get to now where we have a working platform. That's exciting. When did you, when did you realize that this was going to be a working platform and that things, it was, it was going in the right direction. How long did that take or was it very, was it quickly? Um, when we got the UX UI designers in place, user interface, user experience, people involved, I was like, Oh, this is going to be a real thing. How about that? Uh, <laughs> So that, you know, and then it was, it has been successive iterations. And then like we had my firm capstone, um, test it on a large scale and they provided some great feedback and insights on usability and features, things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, having that, you know, things like, like it's just as important to be able to get rid of an opportunity that's been labeled. If somebody says, Hey, I'm not interested, get it out of the pipeline as it is to be able to move forward. If they say, you know what? I am interested in having a, a deeper conversation here. Yeah. So, well, so go, okay. So go back. I think you said something very early in the beginning and I don't want to highlight or I don't want to gloss over it because I think it pertains to other businesses and other opportunities just not in commercial real estate, but you said something along the lines of instead of going to a investor or someone and saying, Hey, you've got 20 properties. Where are you interested in selling, you know, any of them and them saying no. But then if you go to one property, if you have one specific, if you niche it down to one specific thing and then they're more open to it, how long did it like, take you to realize that? And then what type of other business applications do you think that that has across the board? Um, took me, took me longer than I care to admit to, to realize that. Um, but I think the specific business applications are, you know, just be very, be as like, everybody's super busy and, you know, like I had somebody messaging with me on LinkedIn today and they're this broad line of questioning and I'm like, what is the point? get to the point. Um, so I think, you know, being friendly, but to the point of, Hey, this is why I'm reaching out, um, is better than, you know, beating around the bush and hoping that they, um, expose what you're looking for, trying to pull it out through specific questioning tactics. And everybody's got a different sales, um, uh, process, or or way of being but for me it's get to the point 
No, it's so good. And I can't, I like fully endorse getting to the point because I, like you said too, everyone's busy. And the, the, in my opinion, the point of business service or product is to mu- be mutually beneficial. Sure. And so if you get to the point and it's mutually beneficial, then business should be frictionless. And it should be like, hey, this is great. Both of us win here. And beating around the bush, like you said, I've had people on LinkedIn and they'll message and go on and on. And I'm just like, okay, hey, well, just ask me. Like, just ask me what it is you want me to know or ask me what you want to ask. And then if it is, great. If not, then no, then we'll, we'll end this conversation. So I could not agree more uh, with that <laughs> statement. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I agree. And even with some of the pitches that I get, um, on LinkedIn or in my, my emails for things, um, salespeople will come in and make assumptions. Like I work, one of the things that I get a lot and you may get it as well. There are these fitness trainers out there who are like, do you want to lose weight? Or, you know, they make all these assumptions and it's like, my guy, I'm probably as fit, if not fitter than you are. I go to the gym five days a week at least and do yoga on the weekend. So why would you just assume that I need your services? So I think asking some pointed questions to help get to the point uh, and not making those assumptions up front. So, yeah, I, well, so it's so funny. I had uh, someone reach out to me about growing and helping with my Instagram and they made this backhanded comment on my my strategy or like what I'm doing to grow and I was like you just like why would I ever do business with you like you just said that basically my profile was terrible like I just it's funny how some I'm like does that honestly work that's what I wanted to respond with it's like did that honestly work because it's not working for me <laughs> not working for me so right. does does needle I mean is there other op- applications when it comes to predictive AI powered uh in let's say residential real estate, other business applications, what are you seeing now? Yeah, I mean, there there are lots of um, applications for, you know, AI is like an emerging thing, um, and I think we're just scratching the surface on it. General AI, I'm certainly not an expert, um, but just even in my own practice, I use it a ton. Uh, you know, I've got Chat GPT and Gemini, which is used to be Bard, um, and those are great because you know sometimes you have like some thoughts and you're like, hey, arrange this into you know a comprehensive email. Um, here's here are the points I want to hit on, and then what you do is you can use it for you know your first draft, and then you can put it more into your own voice. So I know some guys who are. Um, very good at the prompts and teaching the 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 we'll just call it chat gpt to speak in your own voice and i've tried to do that but it always starts emails with i hope this email finds you well which is a personal pet peeve of mine like don't ever say that and it still doesn't so i just say okay this is the first draft let me let me take it out like this email found me well there you go <laughs> right <laughs> Sound me great. Thank you very much. Uh, man, the the whole Gen AI and giving a skeleton of it, I think oh, I love that. And, and 
you can tell people are you can pick up when people are using ai completely and they're not tailoring it. i mean it's it's obvious yeah i mean it's whatever are you seeing that too when you get things in emails or messages and things like that yeah and I, i've been guilty of it myself um you know submitting one time i submitted a bio and i didn't fully read it the whole way through and i was like wait th that's not true here use this version instead and it yeah. was all fine but um yeah you can definitely tell people are just i mean and then the other thing like a trick on linkedin is you put an icon either before or at the end of your name and then you can tell if somebody's just using a bot essentially to do the messaging for you because so like i have a building in front of my name and i can tell if somebody's just using whatever the program is because it'll sometimes it'll just say dear building or <laughs> so that was the trick that somebody told me about that's interesting yeah oh that is very interesting i uh so you can tell that's very that's a very yeah so is are you getting those a lot i used to get them more i think people have maybe wised up to it a little bit but i still get them from time to time or like they'll scrape my email off of my LinkedIn profile um, and then they'll email me with the building as part of my name and it's like all right well you clearly didn't <laughs> or like yeah. the best is when like I have my email address like I am all over the internet if you can't find me that's on you but I'll have people say hey can you send me your email and my response is my guy like if if you're in business development and you can't find me anywhere you've got a bigger problem <laughs> Oh, I don't know how we got down that path, but I can't agree with you more on that. It's yeah. like, it is everywhere. It's everywhere. So, all right, we'll talk about the commercial um, real estate landscape right now, because I know there's some people on here, and it's funny. One of my really good friends um, is in the commercial real estate, and as we were talking, I can't wait to send him this episode. So, talk a little bit about commercial real estate, the market right now, just, you know, just the market dynamics of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so... You know, for the the folks that aren't aware, commercial real estate is heavily dependent upon the values of commercial real estate are heavily dependent on the Federal Reserve and their setting of interest rates because the way that the debt works is there's a margin above wherever the long-term interest rates are. So say it's like off the 10-year T-note. Um, it's usually like 200 basis points or 2% above that. So if right now the 10 year is at like, call it four and a half percent, that means that commercial mortgage rates are at like six and a half percent. So what that means for values is that your cap rates, which is your, you know, your income, less your expenses before your, your debt service your your net operating income is a function of the cap rate, which is a function of the debt. Like you can't have a four and a half percent cap rate at six and a half percent debt because you're going to be negative. That's called negative leverage. And unless you're in a super uh, special occasion or opportunity, nobody wants to take that on. Because the whole point of real estate is cash flow. Commercial real estate is cash flow. And you do have some markets like California. Um, most of California is built 
predominantly on appreciation. So like you're breaking even, like you'll pay 2 million bucks for a duplex in Beverly Hills. That might even be low. I don't know. Um, but for 2 million bucks, you can get 35, 40 units here in, in Ohio. So it's, you know, because you're, you're buying it for the cash flow potential, um, not the appreciation. So the state of commercial real estate is last year. It's like somebody turned off the faucet. Um, I think I saw a stat that transaction volume was down 80%, something like that. Wow. Um, generally across the board and you're seeing a lot of, um, we just got back from NMHC, which is the national multifamily housing council. It's where myself and seven or 8,000, of my closest apartment bro friends go, uh, to talk about apartments and deals and what we're looking for. And, um, you know, the sentiment is that there's a desire for acquisitions. Um, there's still a lot of money out there. It's just what we found is that the spread between buyer and seller expectations last year was about 20%. It averaged about 20%. So what that means is say somebody wants, you know, 20 million for their property. Well, that might've worked in 4% interest rate timeframe, but we're, you know, topping out at say like, 16 million at best. And like, that's a big spread. 4 million bucks is a big spread. Um, cause sometimes like that's the debt. Sometimes that price that they have in mind and our price, it's the difference between their equity and their debt. And sometimes you just can't bridge it. So a lot of transactions, they, they're just not going anywhere. You can't, it's tough to bridge that gap. So we're hopeful that this year will lead to more transactions, but that's the whole point of needle is to help get in front of deals that are likely to trade and then, you know, filter those out and see which ones you're able to move forward. I was going to ask, I mean, this year specifically, do they run in cycles with commercial real estate or do they follow the trends of, of residential real estate? Like what are the, how do they follow the trends and is the election year matter? Does stuff like that matter? I think it does. Um, I think that government spending tends to increase in election years, which stimulates the economy um, so that whoever the party is in power can say, look at all the good that I've done. Um, and then the real tell of whether or not the economy is in good shape or not is in January when, you know, the, the sugar high, uh, runs out. Um, the, the commercial real estate cycle, I'm listening to a book by Ray Dalio. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know Ray Dalio. It's called, um, it is called principles for dealing with what it called it's going to play on me principles for for dealing with the changing world order it's all about the the changing debt cycles and on average eight to ten years is the commercial real estate 
debt cycle. So what happens, you know, it follows a curve like this, an S curve on its side. Um, and you'll have the Fed will raise interest rates, which will cause the economy or the, the commercial real estate market to, to plummet. And then it'll stabilize and then they'll lower interest rates, which will cause the market to go up again. And then we'll kind of peak and maybe overheat. And then they'll have to raise interest rates again, which will cause it to plummet. That happens every eight to 10 years. And so, you know, here we are in 20, 2024. So I, I think this cycle was a little bit longer, but it depends on how you count COVID and um, all of that. So, I mean, technically 10 years would have been back in 2018 because that's when the Great Recession started, I guess. Um, but this has been a longer cycle, so... I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful. What I'm hearing is that hopefully at the tail end of this year, we'll start to see more transactions pick up and hopefully more deals. So we'll is see. the, is it geographically based? Is there one part of the country or one part of the area that's growing faster than the other? What's that looking like right now in the commercial real estate? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so there's some, for a long time, uh, if you think about the continental United States, people were like, we want the smile. So that's the coasts down through the southeast, through, you know, Texas, Arizona, and then up the California coast. And that was what was in vogue. But then this year, um, the Midwest is what everybody wanted because there was a lot of um, short term bridge debt. So variable rate, higher interest rate debt that it changes with the the Fed and their changing interest rates. And so there was there was also a lot of supply that came on in those markets, whereas the Midwest, we didn't have as much supply come on. And we've seen rent growth continue to be strong. Like Cincinnati was one of the top rental growth markets in the past over the past like four or six quarters, whereas, you know, it was Charlotte and Atlanta, um, and Nashville. Uh, I'm just picking on some, some cities, but also you saw Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, um, and of course, Arizona. And I'm hearing in Phoenix that a lot of these developers that are bringing deals on normally, so it's a brand new construction property. Normally you're doing a, a, a cash out refi. So you're, you've built it, you've stabilized it, you're putting new permanent debt on it, and you're going to be able to take some cash out of that. Well, a lot on, in some instances is what I'm hearing is that they're having to do cash in refis, which means that they're just going to have to sell it. So they're actually selling it for about what the debt is and any equity that they had in the deal has just evaporated. So that's fun. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll, uh, so getting in to commercial real estate, what is, because I'm curious, because I'm not in commercial real estate and I yeah. have some friends that are in it. Now we get to have this conversation with you. Like why, what, what are, what are advantages of commercial real estate? What are some things if you wanted to get into it? Like, why would you, why would one want to get into commercial real estate? So those are the, be 
the benefits of commercial real estate are similar to the benefits of just regular real estate investment, just on a larger scale. Um, you have appreciation, you have cash flow, you have tax depreciation and um, interest rate write-off. So you have like four primary benefits of real estate. Um, so the first one is, I think, what did I say? Appreciation. So if you buy it and you hold it for a long time, well, then the price is going to go up. So you're going to be able to take advantage of that appreciation and price. Uh, the next thing is cash flow. If you buy it right, uh, you'll be collecting a monthly dividend um, from the asset, you know, because the way commercial real estate works, let's talk about apartments. So you have, let's say you have a hundred units and you have a hundred units at a thousand bucks a month. So you're collecting a hundred thousand a month. And, you know, if your expense ratio is 50%, so say you own it outright, that means you're going to be cash flowing $50,000 a month. Um, then if you put debt on it, maybe that debt is going to take, you know, say tw a half of that remaining cash flow. Well, then you're going to cash flow, uh, 25,000 a month and you're not going to be into it for 10 million bucks or whatever it is. So you get the, you get the appreciation potential and then rents always go up rents. They went down a little bit in the great recession, but one of the fears during COVID was that, Oh no, what's going to happen? How are people going to be able to pay their rent? Well, the government stepped up and gave people lots of money and in fact, what we saw was that rents not only didn't go down, but tenants got caught up on back rent. And then what happened is we saw rents go way up because everybody had all this extra money um, that was given to them by, by the feds. And so, you know, that caused prices to actually go up. Everybody thought at the very beginning of COVID, everybody thought that the world is over and things are collapsing. Uh, but in fact, there are some, some folks who made some buys very early on and they did really well with that because prices appreciated pretty drastically. Um, the other benefits of commercial real estate. And I just had a guy on my pod, my podcast, um, talking about this. He does, um, uh, cost segregation studies. So if you have an asset, if you have that same hundred unit apartment building, the way that the IRS thinks of it is a bundle of systems. And so the systems would be the roof system, the window system, uh, all the appliances, um, the electrical, the plumbing. And so the, the easy shorthand way to depreciate an asset for multifamily, it's like 27 and a half years. And for like office for commercial, anything, not multifamily, that's commercial real estate. It's like 39 and a half years. But if you accelerate that depreciation, um, you can, what you do is you like identify each one of those systems individually and you, accelerate the schedule on which you're depreciating that asset. And so what that does in effect is it allows you to shelter your 
ordinary income through using the 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 passive losses from commercial real estate. And usually if you're in commercial real estate as like an owner, um, say you're just owner operating that, well, you're going to say, Hey, I'm in property management as my full-time job. So you're going to be able to offset your whole salary. And so you don't have to pay any taxes. Um, and then you also get interest rate write off. So I think you get to also depreciate the interest that you pay on the debt. So commercial real estate is a pretty powerful vehicle for wealth creation um, and has been. Yeah, no, that's that's very powerful. And hearing you break it down to those points, make it easy to understand for someone that's not in commercial real estate, which I know, you know, residential real estate, know all that. And then commercial, I would assume. But then again, some of the stuff that you share too was was amazing. So go back to Needle a little bit. Yeah. Um, what... What do you foresee? What's your vision and, and goal, let's say for Needle, you know, five to 10 years down the road? And did it, has it changed from when you very first thought of it? And what is it now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so for Needle, um, the goal is to build a, a company, a firm that not so right now we're focused right uh exclusively on multifamily because it's like go with what you know and then we want to be able to branch off into the other product types office retail uh industrial hospitality and then all the subgroups underneath that to be able to serve those markets with the predictive analytics um for the brokerage community, for the lenders, as well as for the active market participants, like the acquisition people and asset managers and individual syndicators, mom and pops. Um, and then, you know, to build a, a platform that will help more easily facilitate transactions. So Lane, if you've got 20 assets, we want to be able to show you those 20 assets and say, okay, here's where you rank on each one of your deals. Um, here are some suggestions that you might consider to help improve the, the value or, um, the operation of the property. Like here's where your rents are. Here's where we think your competitor rents are. You know, if they're a hundred bucks ahead of you, that means you have some room in your rents. Um, and then we want to be able to show a value, uh, or value range maybe that says, okay, we think your hundred unit apartment deal is worth, you know, 10 million bucks. And then have you be able to select, you know, I'm interested in refinancing at that price. I'm maybe interested in selling at that price. And if you're saying either one of those things and have the service providers, the brokers uh, of, of loans or pr real property reach out to you and say, Hey Lane, you know, let's talk. Um, and then furthermore, we want to be able to suggest to you like a hot list of prospective acquisitions. Okay. Here's what your current portfolio looks like. Here's your 20 assets. They all range in age, you know, they're roughly 20 to 40 years old. Um, here's a hot list of deals that are also maybe 30, 20 to 30 years old that we think might be of interest to you for your next acquisitions. They're all kind of in that same range. So if you want to take the money, from either a sale or a refinance, you can dedicate that into a new acquisition 
and then be able to facilitate those transactions much more easily. And we think if we can do that, I mean, that's a really powerful thing. In addition, we want to build, um, you know, a data hub, commercial real estate data platform to be able to fully do this. Right now, we're kind of reliant upon uh, third-party data sources, uh, but we'd like to get to a point where we're um, either partnering or um, sourcing that data independently. Data and analytics, just, I mean, data in general is, I mean, I saw a commercial a couple of weeks ago with Salesforce and it was talking about data and how it's the new gold and being able to yeah. have stuff like that. And data is the new oil. That's good. I, it's the first time anyone's ever said that. Yeah. That, that is good. I mean, because if you have good data, then and it helps move things along, then it is a very powerful. So data is the new oil. I like that. Who told, where did you hear that? I like that. Well, I've been, I like to listen to biographies and I just finished one on Rockefeller and, um, that was a really, it's called Titan and it's all, I, I listen to them. I don't read them, <laughs> but, um, I listened to it and it was, it was very interesting to just hear what he did and what he built and then how he lived the the rest of his life. Um, but you know, oil is what powers the nation currently still. Um, and data is the next, the next thing. And we can, you know, we can kind of see that with, with Zuckerberg and Facebook and, or meta, um, and even Snapchat and TikTok and, you know, all these other platforms, like they're mining your data. That's what they're doing. And then they're selling ads to you based on that. Like somebody said, if it's free, then you're the product. Yep. So, so is Gmail. Gmail's, they're reading all of our emails. <laughs> they know what we like. They know, you know, it's crazy. It's like the, the data. And I was reading something the other day about social media and they've just, they're, they're able to pinpoint when you're scrolling on social media how long you stay on a specific ad and you listen to words and it's all data. It's just yeah. wild. And and I'm to the point now, stay like, I'm like, I don't care. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, spy on me all you want to, like, I'm just a guy just trying to raise a family and just do whatever over here. So just, I don't care what you do. I'm the same way. You know, there are people that would yell at both of us for having that mentality, but they're going to get it anyways. One way or the other. Yeah. They're going to get it. Well, yeah. all right. Say, how can people go learn more about you, learn what you're doing, at, go with Needle? Like, they listen to your podcast, like, plug yourself, tell everybody yeah. why they should go listen to you or work with you or contact you. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if you want to get in touch or learn more about Needle, the website again is needle, N E D L dot US. Um, if you fill out the information form, um, that'll come directly to my email, you know, the request or information, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, um, under stash Galazinski with the building in front of it. Um, I'm on, uh, Instagram. I've been pushing out reels essentially through my own personal Instagram, uh, from my podcast. And then my podcast is called the stash cast where we have, interesting conversations with interesting people focused around commercial real estate and the world of prop tech. So I'm just getting going on that. But, you know, my thought with the podcast was I'm already having these conversations. I might as well put it on video and then, you know, put it out there for the world. 
So and it's been well received so far. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, every time I look down, 42 minutes have passed and it's a, it's a fast 42 minutes. And that's how, yeah. when you put two people that can talk into a room, that's what happens. I feel like. That's good. This has been a lot of fun, Lane. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Stash. I appreciate you. And guys, make sure you go and follow along. Go to his LinkedIn. Go to his Instagram. Go to the website. And if you're in commercial real estate, make sure you guys get in contact. Excited to see what Needle does, Stash. And uh, excited to continue to post this episode and get some stuff out there for you to promote you. And so I just I appreciate you getting on here. And uh, we'll definitely maybe stay connected and see what comes of uh, what Needle happens and how it grows. For sure. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Equipped Podcast. Like I say at the very end of every episode, the very end of every episode, at the end of every episode, if you're all listening on Apple, scroll all the way down to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. That helps the algorithms and it helps with data, which exactly what people need nowadays is data. So until next time, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Equipped Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Equipped Podcast. Do me a favor. Go to Apple, scroll all the way to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. Better yet, share this with someone that you think it would add value to. And if you think you would be a good guest on the Equipped Podcast, shoot me an email at lane at goprospect.com. That's L-A-N-E at G-O-P-R-O-S-P-E-X dot com. Until next time, see you guys.